Thank you for joining our podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. Stay tuned as together we will study God's Word. Good morning. My name is Randy Young, and I'm the transition lead pastor at Peninsula Bible Church now. And I am delighted to be here with you. This morning we continue our series on the I Am statements where Jesus is trying to teach his disciples, meaning us, who he is. And our text this morning comes from John 15, uh, beginning the first eight verses. Listen to the word of God. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must be remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Will you pray with me? Oh, Lord our God, we thank you for this opportunity to come and to worship you. I pray, Lord, that in some way that we have been able to worship you with all of our heart and with all of our soul and with all of our strength. And that in our worship, it puts a smile on your face. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts together not only be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, but may they affirm us in those things that we know to be true. May you comfort us in those places in our lives that need to be comforted. May we be challenged in those places in which we need to be challenged. And, O oh Lord, I pray that you will hide me behind you because I know it is you whom these people have come to hear. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Lord. And the people of God said, Amen. Great. The big idea for the morning. The big idea is to grow and to be healthy, you need to stay connected to Jesus. Very simple. To, be, to grow and to be healthy, you need to be, stay connected to Jesus. 
to remember that, we're going to do a little litany to begin this sermon. A litany is where the leader says something and then the people respond, okay? Here it is. It's very simple. You don't need the words up in front of you. I'm going to say, Jesus said, and you are going to respond by saying, I am the vine. All right? Pretty simple. Jesus said, I am the vine. Oh, that was good. <laughs> wow. Jesus said, I am the All right, this last time I want you to say it three times. Jesus said, I am the vine. I am the vine. I am the vine. Oh, I'm going to like being here. Here's the second litany. If Jesus is the vine, then we are the branches. Got it? If Jesus is the vine, then we are the branches. If Jesus is the vine, then we are the And three times. If Jesus is the vine, then we I think these folks over here might be a little more convinced about that. <laughs> All right, let's do it one more time, both things. Jesus said, I am the Jesus said, I am the Jesus said, I am the I am the And if Jesus is the vine, then we are the if Jesus is the vine, we are the if Jesus is the vine, then Wow, you guys are really enthusiastic here. I like it. I think you got it. I think I'm done. <laughs> this is an incredible teaching of Jesus, by Jesus, about Jesus. In it it says, I am the true vine. My father is the gardener. We need to keep that in mind that God is the gardener. And it means that God owns the garden. God also determines what's put into that garden. God also has the right to arrange how that garden is going to look. And God gets to decide what to prune and when to prune it. That's his responsibility. And so much of this text talks about pruning. God says he's going to prune. He's going to prune every branch. He's going to prune dead branches. He's going to prune good branches. The dead branches he's going to prune right back to the vine. And those that are bearing fruit, he's going to prune back a little bit so that all that the nutrients that the vine is providing will go into that fruit that exists and will grow bigger and hopefully better and hopefully sweeter. Please note that God does not determine who is the dead branches. He doesn't say, you know, Scott, <laughs> I don't like you anymore. I'm going to make you dead. God doesn't do that. The branch determines itself if it's dead or not. If I'm stayed 
connected to the, brand, uh, to the vine or not. Okay? So God's not making that decision. You make that decision on your own. And God will respond accordingly. Jesus also says, well, we taught earlier in the litany, Jesus said, I am the vine. But John records Jesus saying that twice. And in the first verse, he says, I am the true vine. Which raises the question, is there a false vine? There is the possibility that there are false vines. Now, who, the question is, what are the false vines? There are some, to whom do you listen? Who has your ear? Who is filling your mind and heart? If you're connected to the true vine, then you are going to get really good stuff. If you are not connected to the true vine, some other vine, it's not such, such good stuff. So who do you listen to? Who do you turn to? Is it journalists? Politicians? Professors? Experts? The government? I'm going to let that go. <laughs> Is it Harry down at the barbershop that you listen to? You know how barbershops are, man. All kinds of wisdom gets, gets uh, promoted there. When, uh, when that thing with George Floyd happened a couple of years ago, you know, who did you listen to? There was Ibrahim X. Kendi, and there was uh, uh, Robin D'Angelo, and there was... Uh, uh, Nicole Hannah Jones, but there were also other voices. John McCorder from Columbia University, Glenn Lowry from Brown University, Roland Fryer from Harvard University, all black voices. Who do you listen to? What fills your mind? What fills your heart? Do you listen to the media? Is it the legacy media? Or is it the social media? How often do we turn to this thing and read the RSSs to you and the latest news and, and the algorithms that direct you to certain kinds of places? And let me just say that this is a vine of sorts. You can learn a lot through one of these. But is it nutritious? Is it good for you? And I would like to suggest, based on what I'm learning, that this may not be your friend. Be careful if this is a vine. There's a very interesting movie that came out in, I believe, October of last year called Tar. And uh, Tar follows the, uh, uh, the person, I think it's Olivia Tar is her name. She becomes the conductor of the Berlin Philharmonic. And in Part of the film is about her being a teacher at Juilliard School of Music. And she has this intense discussion with this uh, young man that's walking out on her because he had had enough. He is stomping out. And as he goes out, she says something very, very interesting. She says to him and to the class, 
Apparently, social media is the architect of your soul. What is the architect of your soul? What shapes your soul? What nurtures your soul? I want to focus the balance of my time on the word remain. John uses as part of his practice of writing that he says a word, he'll use it over and over and over and over and over and over and he almost feels Pentecostal uh, over again. And um, notice in, in this text, it says, remain in me. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, my, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. I hope you understand that when he uses it seven times, it might be a little important to pay attention to that and to remain in Jesus, to, re to remain in the vine. It means spending time with Jesus on a regular basis. Now, I have to tell you, there are moments in my life in which I'm pretty good at it. There are other moments in my life when it's just tough sledding and I don't do it as regularly as I would like. I, uh, over the past many years, I have tried to read through the Bible from beginning to end. I've been successful some years. I've not been so successful other years. Last year, I wasn't so successful. I started out well, and then uh, in uh, July, uh, my three grandsons came to visit for a couple of weeks and it just put a big pause button on it. Then they left and then we had a five-week project to refinish our floors and we got pushed into a 700-square-foot area to live with our dog and all of our furniture because everything's in there because you can't have any in furniture on the floors. So um, it was very difficult to try to read the Bible in the midst of all this chaos. And at the end of that... I was uh, deep into uh, preparing for a conference that I helped lead at Asilomar in October. And then I got back to it. And honestly, I only made it to the minor prophets. But in looking back in my life, I know, and I, I know that when I do it, there's something qualitatively better about my life. There's a subtleness about life. I'm not so anxious. I'm less fearful. And that's one of the benefits of staying connected to Jesus, to stay connected to the vine.
as much as it's important for us to, to take personal responsibility and to take uh, time or make time for Jesus, hopefully on a daily basis, that it's not the only way to do it. Another way to, to do it is to do it in community. In Matthew 18, uh, Jesus said, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there am I with them. So when two or three are gathered in his name, Jesus is there. We are connecting. We are staying close to the vine. Many years ago, 1978, I think that's almost the, the Jurassic period. I'm not sure. <laughs> I uh, graduated from Fuller Theological Seminary. I took my first call to, a, to Grace Presbyterian Church in Montclair, New Jersey. And very early on, uh, it was a church of about 440 members, about 200 people attending. I was responsible for the student ministries of, of that uh, church. Uh, fairly early on, I, was, uh, I had a meeting in South Montclair. And as I was driving by, there was a church full of people streaming out of it at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. They're just getting out of church at 4 in the afternoon. We started at the same time at 11 o'clock in the morning. You can probably guess that it was a black church. Black churches do things differently. And it's good for them. We're not used to it, but it could be good for us. We'll have to try it sometime. Could we do a black service here? That would be really interesting. I, uh, I learned more about it a few years later when I became pastor of uh, Mountain View Presbyterian Church in uh, Marysville, Washington. And uh, I had invited uh, the Seattle Total Experience Choir to come sing a concert at our church. It was led by a woman named Pat Wright. And, uh, of course, just by the name you know, it's a black gospel choir. And it was glorious. We brought them in several times. But that first year, uh, we were talking, and she says, you know, you folks in white churches... You go to church. In the black church, we do church. <laughs> and tonight, we're going to do church. <laughs> and we spent the evening doing church. There's something about being together that you want when you want to be together. Supporting one another. That's really, really good. Um, but you know what? God doesn't always bless black congregations with long periods of his presence. In February, the Holy Spirit, for some reason, descended upon a chapel at Asbury University in Wilmore, Kentucky. And at the end of their chapel service in which students are required to go, students decided they didn't want to go. They kept singing. They kept praying. 
They kept um, listening to the, to the word. They heard words of prophecy from one another. Or as they say in the black shirt, give us a good word. That revival lasted six days. 24 hours a day. People from all over the country went to see what God was doing in this really a chapel on a Christian, small Christian college. Students from other universities came, waiting in a long line in order to get in and experience this thing. A group of students from Baylor University went, and a week ago today, on Sunday, it was reported that there was a 72-hour-long revival at Baylor University. And at, the, and at the end of that time, 20 people had been baptized into faith. In my neck of the woods in Walnut Creek, I'm beginning to hear that there is a stirring of the Holy Spirit among high school students, that people are beginning to respond and want to hear and know what we are about. What if? What if God were to do something like that here at PCC? What if some Sunday it gets to be 1130 when we say that very unique and unusual benediction that you do every week? And after you go, woo, <laughs> that nobody leaves. And we continue to sing praises and hymns and spiritual songs and psalms. To continue to pray thanksgiving and adoration to our God. To cry out our laments about a world that has gone sideways. To confess our sins and be assured that God has forgiven us of our sins and has given us a second chance on the basis of our first chance. That our record has been forgotten. What if... What would this church family look like? What would God do in us? And because of what God has done in us, what kind of people are we going to be like when we leave this building and live life between Sundays out there in the world? I like to think that could happen. I'm sure some of you are thinking, you know what? This is a covenant church. <laughs> we don't do that kind of thing here. <laughs> by what I'm saying, you're all thinking, he's not a covenanter. I'm Presbyterian, by the way. 
There's a place for Presbyterians in heaven as well as Covenanters. I just, I just want to say that. But some of you may think, ah, oh, it's not for me. I can't do that. I think it's an issue of, do I want to be faithful or not? Last January, I'll finish with the story. Last January, I um, got a call from a man. His name was Janver. I had met him six years ago, eight, uh, how long ago? Seven years ago when I did a short-term interim in uh, uh, Santa Rosa. I remember him for two reasons, because he had been a youth pastor when he got out of college, and then his wife and he talked, took five minutes at worship and talked about their experience of walking the El Camino uh, de Santiago uh, in Spain, which is a journey of pilgrimage from the French side of the Pyrenees all the way out to St. James uh, Cathedral in Santiago, um, uh, Spain. I was intrigued by that. We had lunch about four years ago. Never heard from him, but he calls me up and he says, hey, Randy, how are you doing? Can we have lunch? I go, yeah, I'll have lunch with you, Janver. So we met on February 4, and we sat down for lunch, and he said, I wanted to take you out to lunch because you changed my life. I'm thinking, come on, Janver. I'm not Jesus. I don't do miracles. I'm not an irrational, charismatic kind of a guy. He said, no, you, you said something that changed my life. And I said, what, well, what did I say? And he said, and I'm thinking to myself, I don't remember saying that. And then he tells me, yeah, it was at the early morning Bible study on Thursday mornings. And I go, I remember it. I don't remember him being there. And so then he tells stories of what God is doing in his life and how he's touching other people's lives. And then he said, then he points his finger at me. He goes, and it's all because of you. (laughs) And I'm thinking, will you stop pointing that finger at me? And what I had said was that I had said something that encouraged him to spend long periods of time with God on a daily basis. To be connected to the vine. And to make a very long story short, what God is doing in his life and through his life. He is meeting up to seven men individually every day to talk about God. He has these groups of men in which he, they are studying and talking about how can we effectively communicate our faith with other people. He joined a church. He left the church that I, was, that I had served as an interim where I met him. He's joined a church that got started. Think about this now. Got started in January 2021. Not a particularly good time to start a church, especially when the church is, in, is imploding like crazy. This last January, there were over 700 people coming to this church. All I wish to say is that it's not impossible to grow and to be healthy in a time of COVID, in a time when the church seems to be going south. What's important is that we stay connected to the vine and to take his nourishment and his wisdom 
for our sake and each other. This morning, we are going to hang together. It's another way of talking about um, staying in the vine. We're going to hang together. We are going to take communion together as a sign to one another and also to the world that we are Jesus. We are here together, together as brothers and sisters in Christ to say to the world, Jesus is God. Jesus is our Savior. Jesus is our brother. We are part of that family. We belong to him. Thank you for tuning in to our message podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. We would love the opportunity to connect with you more. We are located in Redwood City, California, and you can find us online at wearepcc.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by simply searching for We Are PCC.